0: Liquid Church, great to see you guys, and uh, want to welcome you, and hey, uh, did we have gorgeous weather yesterday? Did anyone enjoy Saturday? Make some noise. Guys, that's the exact weather we're going to have at Liquid at the Shore on June 2nd. We're just saying that in faith. <laughs> we receive that, man. 77 degrees, we're going to love it. Um, hey, I want to welcome you to Liquid. Uh, my name is Tim. Uh, I serve as one of the pastors here, and um, we actually have multiple locations who are joining us all around the state via the big screen. Can you welcome them? What's up, guys? <laughs> great to see you, our church online. Um, I want to welcome you to the spring series we're doing called Girl Boss. It's uh, this week and next week, and then we have Liquid the Shore. And um, we just had a great Sunday last week um, celebrating all the wonderful women in our church on Mother's Day. Uh, Pastor Ky- Kyra killed it. She did a fabulous job preaching about moms on a mission. Yeah, can we hear it for her? And all the ladies. Look at this. We got Girl Bosses all over talented confident women at all of our uh, campuses i love seeing you guys get into it i don't know who this guy is over here in the corner it's like he's like guy boss you know i think it's one of our worship leaders okay um here's the deal uh we are blessed with a lot of talented gifted women confident equipped by god to lead and that's what this series girl boss is actually all about Um, If you are aged 40 years or older, you may not be familiar with that term, uh, girl boss, because it's more of a millennial term, Uh, but if you went online to look it up, as I did, uh, you'll see it defined this way. A girl boss, a confident, capable woman who pursues her own dreams instead of working for others or settling in life. In other words, it would be used this way. Girl, why are you working that dead-end job? you got to be a girl boss, take control of your life, okay? Now, despite its name, it does not mean that every woman who's a girl boss owns her own business. Although you'll see a lot of 20-something, you know, girl bosses kind of see themselves as entrepreneurs, mom entrepreneurs, mom you know, uh, business owners where they run an online eBay store, or maybe they're a social influencer or work for a startup in the city. That phrase girl boss was popularized by Sophia Amoruso. Who is a 30 something businesswoman? She started a fashion line in her 20s called Nasty Girl, which uh, actually became one of the fastest growing companies in 2012. In 2016, she was named by Forbes magazine one of the richest self made women in the world. And so she wrote an autobiography called Girl Boss, and it was adapted into a Netflix series. And that's kind of where the term blew up. It kind of hit the cultural zeitgeist at that moment. Here's how the Urban Dictionary describes girl boss. It says, a woman in control, taking charge of her own circumstances and work and life. Someone who knows her worth doesn't take crap and gets stuff done. Now, now listen, I just understand, OK? I'm not commenting. Urban Dictionary, it's like the Millennial Bible, people. All right? Just follow just follow me. Basically, it's a positive term. A girl boss is somebody who empowers and inspires those around her. Uh, put simply, uh, she kicks butt takes names, and doesn't wreck her nails in the process, okay? Now, whether or not you like this cultural term, I think it captures the spirit of female empowerment that's kind of coursing through the veins of our culture right now. Uh, Right now, our culture is all about platforming, empowering women, encouraging them to become leaders in the marketplace, in business, leaders in the home, their family, leaders in ministry, and leaders in church. And can I just tell you, that is a serious blessing to our church. We are beyond blessed, Liquid, to have so many talented female leaders at all of our campuses, are we not? I mean, we literally look, it's incredible when I look at it. Over, over half our church staff is female. We have strong women leaders at every level of influence. I mean, look at these pictures. We've got you know, campus pastors. We've got worship leaders. We've got you know, high school mentors, small group leaders. Women lead teams in Africa you know, to, to, to drill clean water wells. Uh, They serve as every level of leadership, including our senior leadership team and on our board of trustees. And ladies, can I just say as a lead pastor, we are seriously blessed by you as a church. In fact, if I put my pastor hat aside for a minute and just speak as a dad um, of a teenage girl, like I feel like so privileged to raise my own daughter who's turning 17 this summer in a church where women are affirmed valued we value your voice your influence at the table and unleashed to lead at the highest levels of leadership in god's kingdom amen and say amen if you agree so i just want you to hear me ladies i want you to hear me okay there are no glass ceilings in this church okay in god's kingdom you are not second-class citizens all right it's just the opposite the bible says you are created in the image of god he's given you these spiritual talents and gifts to be a world changer and then he fills you with his own Holy Spirit. So there is no limit to how God will use your life to change your generation and change the world for Jesus. Amen? But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. You've you got to be careful. you got to be careful. Because right now in our world, there are a lot of lies, a lot of cultural lies out there, distortions of who women are meant to be in Christ. I think our world throws up a lot of obstacles to discourage you from living out of the the full identity as a daughter of God and distract you from stepping into your God-given potential. And so today, I want to open God's Word to you and introduce you to the original OG or original girl boss, okay, in the Bible. We're going to kick it old school. We're going to go back. We're going to go way back to Proverbs 31 in the Old Testament. Now, Proverbs is a book of wisdom And it has a lot to say about women, about how to cultivate a life of of beauty, of wisdom, of depth, of, of love, of meaning and success in all spheres of life. Actually, wisdom for both men and women. But it's really this last chapter of Proverbs 31 that contains the most complete portrait of a true girl boss in the entire Bible. She is a woman of strong character, great wisdom marketplace savvy. You're going to be surprised by this. And deep compassion. And it's surprising because let's be honest, I think a lot of people, both inside and outside the church, have this mistaken notion that the ideal woman in the Bible is like retiring and shy, very servile and submissive, whatever you want, you know, and entirely domestic. And not at all. You're going to see, yes, this woman you were about to read is a devoted wife and mother. But watch this. She's also a business owner a real estate investor. She is a day trader. She's a fashion designer. She is an all-around queen, okay, people? So watch what we see. We're going to see a woman who's hardworking, beloved by her family, but she's an influence in society. She's a leader in her community, and she has this deep faith in God called the fear of the Lord, which Proverbs says is the beginning of wisdom. So you and I have a lot to learn from this girl boss, and men, you need to lean in because you're like, ah, it's a message about women. No, no, no. If you're a man like me, may, maybe you're raising a, a, a daughter, <laughs> lean in, guys, because th- you're going to get some clues about how you raise a strong, confident girl boss. Or if you're a single man, maybe m- this, is, this is how you marry one, okay? So just lean in, single man. So Proverbs 31, let's start at verse 10. says this, a wife of, let's read everything in bold out loud, ready? A wife of who can find her, man. You look around, where do you find this girl? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has half confidence in her. No, has what? Full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Now you might pause here and if you're paying attention, you'd be like, wait a minute. If this is all about women, why is this written from a man's perspective, (laughs) right? And the answer is, is because Jewish men were required to memorize this chapter when they turned 12. They literally had to memorize Proverbs 31, word for word, because their parents want to teach them, this is what you look for in a wife. You want to find a woman like this. Look at the intro to chapter 31. It says this, the sayings of a king, King Lemuel. Oh, okay, so it's a king kind of, no, no, no. Where did he get this from? An inspired utterance that who? His mama taught him. (laughs) So understand what you're about to read. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the king's mama told her son, the king, this is what you look for in a queen, okay? And surprise, she doesn't tell him, go find and pick the prettiest girl. Find the prettiest princess in the kingdom. She doesn't say, you know, son, you're going to want to pick someone who's like very docile and submissive and will just, you know, obey your every order like you might assume a king would. Instead, she says, a wife of noble character. And that phrase translates literally in the Hebrew to a woman of valor. Can you say valor? Valor. It means bravery, uh, courage, fierce determination. It's actually a military term. Who can find a woman full of valor? Her husband has full confidence. She'll bless him all the days of his life. Imagine the king being like, okay, mom, really? Go on. Keep describing her. Now watch this. This is amazing. Listen to all these things she does. This is in your notes. Verse 13. She selects wool and flax and does what, church? Works with eager hands. So this woman is a manufacturer. Uh, she has an online eBay business, you know, or, or Etsy maybe, you know. Maybe she like takes reclaimed woods and makes all these, you know, kind of things and, you know, like, supports a family. I don't know. She's like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. So she has an import-export business. Uh, we, we don't know if she runs a restaurant, but she imports exotic food. Uh, verse 15, she gets up while it's still night. She provides food for her family, so she is a chef on top of it. Portions for her female servants, so she manages a staff. Again, this would have been a queen, and so this is kind of upper ruling class, so she had domestic servants. And now you look at this, and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. I see what you're saying. She plays a lot of roles. Um, But most of this still sounds fairly traditional, you know, very domestic, based around the home and hearth. Watch this. Verse 16, she considers a field and buys it. In other words, she's in real estate. Okay? Not just that, out of her earnings she plants a vineyard. So she's a real estate investor. How many watch uh, HGTV? Okay? <laughs> she's like a house flipper. Like, right? So she, like she she walks in, she's like, "Hmm, I like this field. I think I can turn a buck. Let's flip it." And then she makes money and it says out of her earnings she plants a vineyard. So on top of it then she's a winemaker, okay? Now some single guys are like, okay, I want to find a woman like this. This is is a good, I like what's happening here, okay? She sets about her work vigorously, and let's say this together. Her arms are what? Strong for her tasks. In other words, the girl does CrossFit, okay? (laughs) So, like, again, we're like, wait, this is 970 B.C., but it's actually very modern in some respects. She sees that her trading is profitable. So she's a day trader. She's a a business owner. She knows how to turn a profit. Her lamp does not go out at night. This is a woman who's not afraid of hard work and long hours. Verse 19, in her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. That's just a description of a loom. In other words, she's a seamstress. She's making fabric. She has a business in textiles, okay? Now just stop here. Take a look behind me. I mean, this is amazing, right? You look at all these roles this woman plays, you say, man, she really is a girl boss, right? Again, this proverb was inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by God to the people of ancient Israel to give them this full-bodied picture of authentic, redeemed womanhood. And it highlights this woman who is smart, hardworking, industrious. I mean, she's got Fashion, she's got flow, she's got hustle, uh, girl boss, okay? (laughs) And it's surprising, isn't it? Because I know what you thought, right? A lot of people think the Bible's portrayal of women is antiquated. Oh, the Bible, like, it's restrictive and and oppressive, and women don't really have much of a role or a voice. But let me tell you something. Proverbs 31 was counterculture in its day. It basically flipped the script on ancient culture because... Proverbs was written around 970 BC or before Christ, about a thousand years before the time of Jesus. And in that time period, there were counted one, two, three lies that ancient culture believed about women. If you're taking notes or maybe you're filling in the blank in our, uh, our app, here's what you want to fill in. These are the three lies that uh, historical Judaism taught that women, number one, are manipulative like Eve. I want you to remember, they didn't have the entire Bible at this point. They only had the first few books. And in Genesis, the opening book, the first woman, Eve, she's the first one to sin in the Garden of Eden, right? She she takes the forbidden fruit, then she hands it to her husband, Adam. And so theologians said, well, see, women are one of the sources of evil in this world. They can't be trusted. They are manipulative and should be subordinate to men who said that women don't deserve legal rights. That's actually not even a, a lie. That's a fact. At this moment, in culture, women were considered the legal property of men. So just like a guy could own a horse or a field, he owned his wife, legally. He could legally divorce her, but she couldn't. Now on top of it, she couldn't get an education, forbidden to go to school, couldn't get a job. Women had no role in society except childbearing. Let me tell you something. That restrictive spirit even extended to worship services at church. In the Jewish temple, women were segregated. They worshiped separately and weren't actually allowed to read the Torah. They couldn't even learn the scriptures for themselves because the culture taught that women can't be trusted to determine their own lives. See, sons, this is tragic, sons were valued far more than daughters. You probably know this from like history of Western Civ in college. In Greek culture, many baby daughters were actually killed after they were born. They were left outside to die of exposure. Why? Because fathers didn't want girls. They needed sons to carry on the family name and protect the family fortune, which is it's, it's tragic. It's a little bit mind-bending. Like, as a modern people, like, we, our head sort of explodes. Like, I can't even imagine this. Well, listen, this was reality in 970 BC. Now, thank God into this, walks this confident, smart Proverbs 31 girl boss who's like, "Uh, yeah, watch me, okay? And if you look carefully, she dismantles these cultural deceptions one by one by the determined way she leads her life. Notice she doesn't, you know, say, this is terrible in the culture. I'm going to start a blog attacking men. Uh, She does not start a Kickstarter campaign. She's not like, I'm getting an online petition and we're gonna, no, 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 no. She basically punches a hole right through these cultural lives by the powerful way she lives her life, amen? Look at this, she she respects her husband, she takes care of the kids, but what else does she do? She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. In other words, she's an investor. She's a small business owner. And all these Old Testament, old school misogynists would have been like, what? What what is she doing? She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are what? Strong for her tasks. You know, I joked about uh, her doing CrossFit, but have some of you seen the lady bosses in this church? I watch you online, all right? I see you on Facebook, what you're doing at the gym. Uh, yeah, this is Jen Pawarski. She's a head coach at Mud, Sweat, and Tears. She is a lean, <laughs> lean mean, deadlifting machine and could probably beat up most of our pastors. <laughs> I'm just saying, okay? This broke the stereotypes of weak women, okay? She sees that her trading is profitable. In other words, this girl knows how to make money. <laughs> and her lamp doesn't go out at night. She ain't afraid of hard work. She's not afraid of busting her butt. She's a girl boss. And so many scholars say that when Proverbs 31 came out, men were like, huh? And women were like, how'd she do all that? <laughs> now, time out, ladies. I just wanna say what I know what you're thinking. I wanna ask you right now, all the women in the room at all of our campuses right now, can you hit the pause button? I want you to resist the urge to compare yourself to her. <laughs> and see this as a job description. Because very easy, I remember growing up and hear about Proverbs 31, it was like all this list, is a resume of all this incredible woman and she's a do it all, and right now if you're a woman, you could feel incredible guilt or shame, like I'm not measuring up. Here's the deal, Proverbs 31 is not a job description. See, most people don't even understand what genre it is. It's a poem, it's a Hebrew poem. In fact, it's a special kind of poem. It's called a heroic poem, and it's an acrostic meaning each line starts with one of the first letters of the Hebrew alphabet from A to Z so that the men can memorize it. In other words, this is literally showing a composite picture of a woman who embodies all these outstanding qualities over a lifetime from A to Z, all right? So when you look at this, you're like, man, no woman could do that all, obviously. And can I just say, I think that's one of the lies of our culture that women can and should do it all right now. That's a lie we're going to puncture later. Women can do it all. My wife is like, Tim, it's a recipe for exhaustion. Can you say amen? My wife told me to say that. She's like, it's a recipe for exhaustion. Uh, the reality, guys, is that life is full of seasons. And when you're a stay-at-home mom with toddlers, let's be honest, you're probably not out crushing it in the business world, right? You're like, what's a, what's a win for me? I showered today, right, okay? Girl boss, okay. So, just like understand, this is a composite picture of a woman over the course of her whole life. Maybe multiple women, and maybe right now as I'm talking, only one or two of these snapshots reflect your season of life today. Don't get overwhelmed, okay? Don't get feel guilty for not measuring up, right? It's, I mean, it's very easy to. If you look at Proverbs 31, you're like, man, this girl is so busy. She's winning at business. Uh, She's winning at home, you know. Maybe she's self-absorbed. I mean, maybe she doesn't have time for others. Verse 20, she opens her arms to the poor, (laughs) extends her hands to the needy. So on top of it all, she runs a charity, okay? (laughs) Like she's a philanthropist, okay? I mean, come on. She's got compassion for the poor and needy. She uses her profits to help the poor. Amazing. Verse 21, when it snows, she has no fear for her household for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. Okay, so she's also Additlis' interior decorator. <laughs> she's clothed in fine linen and purple. She's a fashionista, people. Uh, her husband is respected at the city gate. Okay, so she's a supportive spouse. Doesn't forget the guy where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. So she's a designer, okay? She's got her own clothing, lifestyle brand uh, going on here. And she supplies the merchants with sashes. In other words, she is slaying it at sales, okay? Let's actually just have some fun here. Can everyone just make a muscle right now? Turn the person next to you and say, "Ah, girl boss. (laughs) Girl boss, (laughs) that's what she is, man. Now, Now listen, listen, we're having fun, but listen, ladies, very easy to be overwhelmed by this woman's productivity, right? But just remember, she's a composite. She's taking all these roles and virtues and, and, and they're projecting it onto a single person. So can I just hear, hear my heart on this? Just I want to just interrupt your mind right now. Women, don't go flagellating yourself. If you're looking at this and you're like, man. I'm not like a triple threat, you know, CEO, MBA, fashionista, personal trainer, homeschooling mom with a life coach business as my side hustle. Like that's, (laughs) it's not me. (laughs) It's okay. It's just relax. Just relax. Your days ain't long enough to do everything she does. This Proverbs 31 woman is in the Bible for one reason. She is not a model to imitate. She's an inspiration to be all that you can be in Jesus Christ depending on what season of life you're in. You can't do it all, at least in one lifetime, but be patient because, guys, here's a secret. When you commit your life to Jesus and you marry these deeper girl boss qualities of industry and integrity, wisdom and compassion, you marry those to your God-given calling, watch out. You literally can change the world. You want proof? Let me tell you about a 21st century girl boss named Liz. Liz Bohannon. She is a follower of Christ. Liz is a millennial. <laughs> She's also the founder of Seiko Designs, an ethical fashion brand that works to educate and empower women in Uganda. And I remember first seeing, reading about her because she was on Shark Tank, got rejected. <laughs> but what I love about Liz is her faith in Jesus Christ actually inspired her to marry her passion for fashion with compassion for the poor. And after college, even though she didn't have a degree in humanitarianism or anything like that, she just had this sense that God had given her these marketplace talents and wasn't just calling her just to start a successful business, but to elevate and empower women in East Africa. Guys, this video is a little bit longer than usual. This is a powerful picture of a next generation girl boss who's also changing the world for Christ.
1: really wanted to be an investigative reporter that like traveled the world and wrote about and reported on um, issues that were facing specifically women and girls that were living in extreme poverty and in conflict and post-conflict zones. So I went to journalism school. I really kind of started thinking on a, on a global level of who are those people. But what was super profound to me was that when I tried to imagine the face of one girl who had grown up in extreme poverty, I couldn't imagine anyone, because I didn't know a single girl. It was like, I said I really cared about this issue. I said I was super passionate about you know, global gender injustice and women and girls living in extreme poverty. And in this moment, it was kind of like the curtain got pulled back and it was like, but you don't actually have one friend who grew up in extreme poverty. And that was really profound and really convicting to me. And kind of in that moment, I felt like I had to kind of make a decision of like, okay, give up the ghost of this thing that you're like really passionate about and just go like build your life, do the corporate thing, make a lot of money, build the big house, um, or go actually make a friend. Like go have your life actually be kind of tangled up in in a part of this world that you say you really care about. So I bought a plane ticket to Uganda. Um, I didn't have a job. I had no invitation, Um, I didn't really have anything to do, but my new kind of goal and my new focus became like, okay, just like go and meet one girl. Literally, when my parents asked me why I was moving to East Africa, I was like, guys, I'm moving to make a friend, you know, and they're like, really, can't you just like join a running club like your sister? And that's kind of how my journey started. So I showed up and I really just kind of started exploring. I started asking that I thought were really interesting questions I started trying to make friends and build a community and it was through that process really of of exploring that I became a part of an organization a youth development organization and by just being a part of this community I kind of started becoming more and more aware of this really specific issue and that issue was there's a nine-month gap in Uganda between high school and university so students graduate they have nine months to go back home find a job save money to pay for university, and what was happening specifically with the girls is that they were graduating from this two-year college prep program, they were testing into college, you know, top 5% of students in the country, they had all of this gusto and vision and excitement about the future, and then they were going back home to their villages, and two things were happening. One, they couldn't find jobs, and two, there was this really profound lack of social support So I became really committed to these 25 women and to like surely there's something that we could do. So I realized from an economic standpoint that I wanted to start a business and two, from a relational standpoint. It was like, I wanna do something that's like sink or swim together. We're doing something and if you win, I win. We're taking the risk together. Um, We're sharing in both the burden and then hopefully the, the upside of creating something together. And so I tried to start a chicken farm. Um, that failed pretty quickly. It turns out uh, I hate chickens. <laughs> I didn't want to run a chicken farm. And the economics and business model side of it also didn't really pan out. And then next up, I decided to start a sandal company. So I had designed a pair of these like funky strappy sandals when I was in school. I wanted a pair of flip flops that didn't flop. So I took a pair of old flip flops and I kind of tore them apart and um, replaced the, the kind of plastic upper piece with a pair of ribbons, essentially. And I kind of had these really cool, funky strappy flip-flops that didn't flop. So I was in Uganda and I'm just like brainstorming. At this point, I don't care what the business is. I'm just like, as long as the economics work out and we can employ young women for a nine month gap, who cares what it is? So I started the process of kind of like prototyping them and do the materials exist in East Africa? Is this something I could teach? you know, nine um, 19 year old women to to make and to produce and slowly kind of these boxes started kind of getting checked off and like, yeah, that should work and yeah, we could do that. And before I knew it, I was sitting down with some really bad prototypes of some really janky, not well-produced sandals and a little word document of like how to make them. And uh, I hired three young women. So Mary, Mercy and Rebecca. And I basically promised these young women, I was like, okay, if you make these sandals during this nine-month gap between high school and university, I promise that you'll go to college next fall. And they were like, okay. I was like, okay. And then I came back to the U.S. with several hundred pairs of sandals in my suitcase and started selling sandals out of the back of my car, which is you know, definitely what your parents want you doing with that journalism degree you earned. So when I came back to the US, my now husband, he actually proposed to me four days after I got back. We got married four months later. So here we are, we're like newlyweds. I'm peddling sandals. And at the end of that first summer, we had sold enough sandals to send Mary, Mercy, and Rebecca to university. And we were like, oh my gosh, this worked. You know, like not only um, did the kind of impact side Work, but people actually seem to really like these sandals. And we really kind of started dreaming about like, what if this wasn't just a project for Mary, Mercy, and Rebecca? What if this was legit? What if we like started a company that could grow and could scale and could employ some of the brightest, most ambitious, women in the entire country could serve as a launch pad for them to continue on and become leaders in their community and meanwhile we you know sold these products here in the u.s and so we ended up here in portland oregon and so this is where we kind of said okay this is where we're going to really establish our company and our business and so we did that and eventually we we continued to grow we started expanding our product line so we knew all along that we didn't really wanna just be a sandal company. We wanted to be a full lifestyle fashion brand. So we started sourcing different materials and products. Meanwhile, we were growing you know, our manufacturing in Uganda. So we continued to go and to grow and we started hiring people here in Portland. We now have a staff of about 13 people that are here that do everything from marketing to sales to fulfillment and accounting. And we have a a staff of about 60 over in Uganda that um, do design and development and manufacturing and logistics. We really believed in an impact that was full circle. That was from the time a product is made, you know, the hand that made that product all the way to the final sale, that we would be able to say like, hey, you're creating community and opportunity for women all across. The supply chain. The defining belief behind our business is the belief of Imago Day that we are each created in the divine image of our creator and that we were created to create. Whether you are, you know, the farmer that farmed that cattle, which is where our leather came from, the woman who is sewing the straps on that sandal the lady who's cleaning her factory all the way to the person who's doing our accounting and selling our product and packing and shipping it. How do we make sure that we're treating each one of those people according to this belief that you are sacred, that you are sacred and that you were created in the image of God and that you deserve to be treated with dignity and with respect? I could never have imagined what Seiko would grow into. We've now sent over 126 women onto university to become leaders in their community. The test of a great company is whether it has the ability to constantly manage and grow its operations while being true to its mission and its core values. It's a challenge that we here at Seiko Designs embrace because we recognize that there's always a bigger picture, a longer time horizon, and a broader world in which operating using our handmade products to connect the world that seemed so far from us.
0: Pretty cool story,
1: right? I mean, can we hear?
0: It? That's an that's, that's incredible picture. That, that's a girl boss, okay? This is a woman living on purpose for Christ. Listen, I want to talk right now to the younger women here. Listen to me. If you're a young woman in your teens, or your 20s, 30s, doesn't, doesn't matter if you're, you're single or married, you have been gifted by God and called by him to step into your God-given role, use your gifts to be a world changer for Jesus Christ. Say amen if you agree. That is what God has put in you. And and Liz was a woman of valor. In other words, she was courageous and brave enough to believe, if I just take this step of faith and watch this, marry my, my prophets to a greater purpose, God can do something more than I could ever ask or imagine. And her little sales company disrupted the entire retail industry. They have now sent over 130 Ugandan women to university. Guys, that's a girl boss who's living for Christ. That's what can happen when a young woman committed to Jesus lives out her calling with courage, with strength, with compassion, with integrity. She sees that her trading is profitable. She makes linen garments. She sells them. What she do with the profit? She opens her arms to the poor. Extends her hands to the needy, industry, integrity, wisdom, compassion, courage, uh, girl boss. Okay, you with me? See, it turns out, here in Proverbs 31, that the real reason this woman is celebrated and praised isn't because of her external achievements after all. Yes, she's an entrepreneur who crushes it. But the truth is, in Proverbs 31, you're about to see, there's going to be a twist right here in the poem to end it. Her virtue, where does all this virtue come from? It flows out of her inner identity in God. It's from her soul, inner soul, not just external accomplishments. I want you to see how Proverbs 31 ends. Because there is a twist in every, most men and women, they honestly miss this. All the focus seems to be on the external activity, the achievements. Man, this is an entrepreneur crushing her task list. She's chasing her dreams. She's changing the world. That's not why God's word says to praise this girl, boss. Look at verse 25. God says, I want you to look under the hood of her life. Don't just focus on the outward appearance. Look what she wears underneath. Verse 25, she is clothed with what? Strength and dignity, and she can laugh at the days to come. She's like, I ain't afraid of the future because my daddy God is writing my story. This is a woman who has strength of soul, she's got character. She's got heart. She's got dignity, confidence. She's not afraid. She can laugh in the days to come. She's full of faith in God, not fear of men. When I say fear of men, I don't even just mean just men. The Bible talks about fear of man. In other words, what other people think, what other people's expectations are for our life. So many of us are driven and motivated by fear of what our culture says we should do. And she says, I don't have fear of man. I've got fear of God. Even her husband praises her and says, many women... Do noble things. Remember, it means valorous, courageous, brave things. But you, sweetheart, you surpass them all. And maybe you're like, so what makes her heroic? Here's her secret. This is the key to the whole poem. Verse 30. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting. But a, say it together, woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Does it surprise you, ladies? That her physical appearance is never mentioned. Does it it surprise you that it doesn't mention what her body type is like or whether her skin glows or, you know. The Bible says charm is deceptive. People people can get you to buy something based on their sweetness. And beauty is fleeting. In other words, you can do all the Pilates you want. Gravity is going to get you. (laughs) Just men and women. But a woman who what? Fears the Lord is to be praised. In other words, at the end of the day, her strength and beauty are grounded in her relationship with God. That's what the fear of the Lord is. It's actually letting God's grace, God's love, God's mark on your life be the only thing that determines your worth. She lives freely out of this deep sense of who God says she is. All these other achievements are fine, but they don't determine her worth. They don't define her. See guys, Proverbs 31, I think exposes three lies that modern culture tells women today. Ladies, listen up. This is the most important thing you need to hear most. Way back in 970 BC, there were three cultural lies that kept women in captivity. Now, thank God they have been exposed and proven false. But I think in 2019, there are three modern lies. That culture is selling you that if you buy them, it will keep you paralyzed, pinned down. And the first is this myth that you can do it all. You you can do it all. It sounds great on the surface, right? But I want you to think about this. You can can be a mom, you can have a career, you can lead a ministry, you can travel the world, you can solve global warming or some other epic cause, and you can do it all by age 35 and be healthy and rested. (laughs) What a crock. That's, that's literally what my wife Colleen said. She's like, what a crock. Now, my wife, li- listen, she is a girl boss. She is super high capacity, okay? She's a mother of two teenagers. She runs a small business. She's a CEO, and she helped me start this church on the side. <laughs> that lady's a girl boss, all right? But you know what she said to me? I wrote it down. She said, Tim, the number one thing women need to reject is this lie that they can and should do it all. God did not call you to be a superwoman and do, 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 achieve, 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 crush your task list as if that's where your worth comes from. Because guess what? At some point, you're going to hit a season in life where life doesn't cooperate and you just can't do it all. And you come up short. And then what happens? Because if your value is tied to your performance, your outer role, your whole self-worth goes down the tubes. You feel guilt. You feel this blanket of shame for not measuring up. Or keeping up with other women. Social media doesn't help. <laughs> My wife said, Tim, social media is the devil for women. But she goes, but, I said, why? She goes, because it trains us to constantly compare with each other. It convinces us that life is a competition. That, that's the second lie that our culture tries to sell women today. The minute you go on Instagram and you start scrolling, how do you feel? Very life-giving, right? You're looking at all these curated lists, right, of your friends and other women and their Pinterest perfect worlds, right? And you're like, you're looking at it and you're like, you know, she's got like a farmhouse table with organic candles made out of beeswax and well-dressed kids and they're all like drinking shots of wheatgrass, you know, together. And, and, like, and you're like, you're sitting there in your sweatpants in a scrunchie, okay? and your living room's a bomb, (laughs) The kids are melting out, there's like smoke coming out of the kitchen, and you're like, hey, we're going out for pizza, guys, okay? Kids are like, again, you're like, again, yes, get in the car, you know, kind of. (laughs) Comparison is a cancer. It is a killer. It will turn your soul toxic. Ladies, life is not a competition. And when you constantly compare, 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 understand you will always feel discontent because you're always looking at other people's highlight reels. It's not real life. It's a highlight reel like Proverbs 31 is. And if you buy that lie, you will feel totally deflated, inferior, never measuring up, with this sense of guilt like you're not enough. Modern lie number three. So many women that Colleen and I speak with in their honest moments admit to this nagging sense of I don't measure up. Like I watch that girl making the sandals and saving Africa and like I... I It's not helpful. Right? I'm not doing something significant with my life. Guys, that is a very real temptation in 21st century where it's all about accolades and outer achievements. And the lie is this. If you're not married and start a family and raise your kids and haven't changed the world by the time you turn 40, you're somehow disappointing God. And God's standing there and he's like, I mean, I know you're saved, but man, Beth, I wish you tried a little bit harder. My sisters in Christ, daughters of Eve, that is not the voice of God. It is a lie from the pit of hell. It is aimed straight at your soul. These are three lies that that our world tries to get women to follow. You can do it all. Life's a competition and you're not enough. Listen, ladies, you are a blood-bought daughter of God and you have to expose and reject these satanic verses. Just like Proverbs does. Listen to me. Because if you believe these lies, they will keep you paralyzed, pinned down. You will never have peace. You will never rest in Christ or, or, or realize, have the freedom to fail <laughs> and realize your God-given potential and the purpose for which God puts you on this planet. So I want to end by telling the truth. Can we tell the truth, ladies? Can we tell God's truth about who you are in Christ? You are a blood-bought daughter of the king of heaven, so we're going to tell the truth. you got to reject the lie that you can do it all. And notice the key word here, do. First off, you are a human being, not a human doing. And a lot of people read Proverbs 31 through this lens of moralism. It's not not Christianity. It's certainly not grace. The lens of moralism or man-made religion says this. you got to do, do, do. And if you work hard enough, maybe God will accept you. That is man-made religion. It's a lie. Where your performance or your effort earns God's approval, and it is exhausting. Thank God we worship a God of grace. Grace is the best word in the world. Grace is God's radical, unearned, unconditional love for you. Why? As followers of Jesus— We don't do, 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 do. We look at Jesus Christ on the cross and we say, praise God, it's done, baby. Someone lived a perfect life, I don't have to, I get his. Listen, Grace says that when Jesus died on the cross, he took all of your imperfections, all your failings, all your faults, all your guilt, all your shame on himself and said, I'll take that in exchange, how about I give you my perfect life, my righteousness, so you don't have to prove anything ever again. And God says, I'm going to adopt that girl into my family. And you become a beloved daughter of God, meaning nothing you do or don't do will ever earn more of God's love. Nothing will make him love you more than he does right now. Isn't that freeing? Oh, I feel it. It's freeing, isn't it? Some of you are like, that can't be right. (laughs) I mean, God, God isn't looking for me to do more. Your father in heaven is crazy about you. He loves you perfectly, fully in Christ, which means you're free to simply listen, be present to the season of life you're in today. That's the truth. I want to counter this lie. If you need to do it all with, you got to recognize there are seasons to life that God will give you grace for. Uh, Single ladies, the the Bible says it's a spiritual gift to be single. God's like, you're welcome. Right? Yeah. I know. Some of you are like, oh man, I, but, but I feel the calling to be married. I, I'd like to start a family someday. That's awesome. But right now you're in a season of singleness, so crush it. Like embrace it. Kill it. it, it, it it's a gift to be a young mom. And I get it. I get it. I, look, we raise kids. I get it. When you're home and you're wiping runny noses, right, and you're doing laundry, you know, for the third time, I know it can sometimes seem like, I just wish, you know, I was a big bad you know, girl boss out there on some epic mission in the marketplace. Don't fall for it. You are doing the most significant work in the world. You are molding, you are shaping a human being. You are raising the next generation. What more significant work could there be? Sometimes a season calls for simply staying home in stretchy pants and raising a toddler. Don't downplay it. Embrace it. Be fully present. And guys, this is is not just gender. I mean, this is truth for all of us. Amen? We are terrible at being present to the season of life that God has us in. Tell me this doesn't apply to all of us. If you're single, right? I'm single, but I'm dreaming of getting married. If you're married without kids, you're looking ahead to when you have kids. If you have young kids, you're dreaming of the day when they leave the house, right? If you're an empty nester, it's like, I can't wait for our kids to have grandkids. And then in a, and here's what happens when you keep projecting God's grace in the future. You miss out on what God's doing right now in front of you. Be pre- Jesus is present. He's present in the mundane right now. And you've got a whole lifetime to live into his grace. So be present to the season of life God has you in. God does not call every woman to get married, dress their kids in scarlet, and take up the loom, okay? All at the same time. You can't have everything all at once. It's not how life works. God designed life to be in seasons, winter, spring, summer, fall. Watch this. Which means, part of fear of the Lord means you have the courage to say no to certain opportunities and dreams depending on the season of life you're in. Same for men. So we're like, oh man, I gotta say no to my dreams. No, no, don't freak out. It's not no forever, it's no for now. And being a man or a woman who fears the Lord means I can actually trust God to open the doors and lead me into other callings later in life, because he's writing my story, not me. Amen? That's a faith. You don't have to do it all at once. God's grace says, be present to the season you're in today, because life is not a competition. Second lie, you gotta spit out of your mouth. You don't have to compete. You don't gotta keep up or compare with other women. Your, your heavenly father is not in heaven right now and he's handing out awards, who has the cleanest house. You know, I saw that. Your kids made the honor roll. You went on the best looking vacation on Instagram. Uh, you have the cutest shoes, Kyra. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you made the most money, you got the most followers. Some of y'all, you just need to stop the social media. Can I just say that? I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying you just need to quit social media for a spell. That may be the most spiritual thing you do. Taking a break. From posting highlight reels and instead highlight real R-E-A-L, real life. Because that's where it's lived. Tell us about your meeting that tanked, or when your blog post was rejected, or your kids struggled at school, and then you know the IP meeting blew up. Guys, that's where faith is forged. It's on the anvil of adversity. It's when your life isn't going according to your plan. And people watch and they see her faith in God, she responds with this, this strength of heart and wisdom and bravery. I love how, look at verse 25, she's clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She's like, I've seen it all. This is a girl who is unafraid. She laughs at the future because she's 100% confident. My God's got this. My daddy in heaven's writing the story, and I don't have to turn the next page. He's going to write the next chapter. It's okay. The truth, guys, is that contentment beats comparison every single time. Contentment in Jesus Christ Beats this constant comparison So stop measuring your worth Against other people Again, we look to Jesus Look at the finished work of Jesus And you trust God with the painful parts of your life That are still unwritten They're unfinished, they're broken parts Maybe the ending isn't written yet But that's one of the ways that God's calling you To fear the Lord and worship Him Trust Him Grace is so liberating I I, I hope some of you get this I can tell some of you are like, man, I don't, it's been said, if you really preach grace, people are going to be like, that can't be true. (laughs) Because it's so liberating. Grace says the finished work of Christ is done and God views you as perfect now. So stop comparing, be content because the pressure's off. You are a hundred percent acceptable and totally pleasing in the eyes of God. If you let that sink in your head (laughs) on my best day, God loves me, accepts me, it's liberating. On my worst day, he accepts me and loves me. You can be content no matter what kind of day you're having. You ever ever have that? If you're like a mom and like maybe you have a great day, you just have this day where you're like, man, I crushed it today, you know? Like you wake up and you're like, kids, uh uh-uh, not microwave waffles this morning, okay? Now, now, put the frozen flakes away. I'm making steel-cut whole-grain oatmeal. Okay, we're just... You're gonna have a nutritious breakfast right now, okay? And, and, then, and then you keep them off the screens for the day, right? And like you're home, and, and you have a varsity level craft for them to do, right? And then you homeschool them in Latin. And, uh, <laughs> and after Latin, you know, it's like, okay, lunch is couscous with organic apples and a wedge of brie. And you're like, girl boss, killing it, right? Guess what? On that day, you didn't add a thing to the love of God for you. You added nothing. Same for the next day. When everybody oversleeps, your husband's traveling, you've got your period. I said that. You're like, get in the car. Your kids are like wearing their underwear on the outside, you know, to school. And the best victory you can claim is like, I didn't shake my toddler today, you know. Guess what? You didn't take a thing away from Christ's love for you. Give God a praise. The pressure's off. Isn't that awesome? That's awesome, I love it same is true for single ladies, you empty nesters, you authentic, redeemed womanhood. You got to view it through the lens of God's grace. So let's be done with this satanic lie, you're not enough, because the truth is, in Christ, you are more than enough. Amen? (laughs) Let's, Let's just say that out loud. In Christ, you're moralism. Do, do, do. Perform, perform, perform. Maybe God will accept you. Christianity says done, done, done. I'm already accepted. I didn't earn my father's acceptance and i don't got to work hard to keep it. So my pressure's off. Women, if you trust Jesus Christ, you have been adopted by God into his eternal family, bought by the blood of his son, redeemed by grace. So stop striving. Quit worrying. You've been set free to live in his love, and you are free to fail. Don't you you see how liberated grace is? I mean, if your father's approval and pleasure and love is 100% secure, you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Ladies, are you single? You're loved. Are you married? You wish your husband did You're loved. You got a tidy house, home hunt to house hunters? You're loved. You got a bomb in your living room? Loved. You, you, you do a tasty, organic, you know, grass-fed dinner? Loved. You burn the tater tots? Loved. Okay, you crush the workday? You're loved. Your workday makes you cry under the covers. I'm never going back. Loved, 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 loved. It's the batter. Your father <laughs> flies over all ya. So stop the striving. Rest. Rest in his love. Rest in his love. Proverbs 31 is the portrait of a woman who knows a secret. This is a woman who fears the Lord. A girl boss who, who knows at the heart level the love of her father and lives in his grace. That's the beauty of redeemed womanhood. And that's worthy of great praise, amen? I want to I end with this verse, last verse. It says, honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. I told you this proverb was written for men to memorize. And the only command in the proverb is to men at the end. You better honor that girl for everything she does. And you better bring her praise at the city gate. In other words, it's a command to publicly praise the Daughters of God Church. Can we give some public praise to the women in this house, at all our campuses, we're blessed by you. They're daughters of the King. Let's give our praise to Jesus who made them that way. Give God praise. For Jesus, who set them free. Father God, right now. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. We just feel you right now. Breaking lies, Father God. I pray for women who are on the performance treadmill. Jesus, hit the stop button. Let them get off. And rest in your grace. Father God, for women who are so... Father, this culture gets all of us. Brainwashes us. Lord, break the shackles of competition and comparison cure that cancer, just rid it out of our bodies, and give rest to our souls. Father, I pray for the next generation right now of female teens and 20 somethings and 30-somethings. Father God, may we become a church where women are unleashed to run into your freedom and realize their God-given potential. And Jesus, bring a spirit of unity over all of us. God, in this world of gender, confusion, and polarization, and politics, and arguments, Father, Make us one as you are one. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's your blood that flows through our veins. Let the world look to us and see hope. And we ask that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can't do it ourselves. And all God's children said together, amen. Amen. Church, let's hear it one more time.